What's up gamers and welcome to Lost at Sea Gaming. I am hulking Yoda, the captain of this ship, the SS Gamer, and you have just entered my captain's quarters, which is my weekly gaming update show where I discuss my favorite news topic of the week, talk about what I've been playing, give some tips for those games I'm playing, and issue my weekly gaming captain's decree. So let's get started and dive right into my news catch of the week. So guys, this week is probably going to be a surprise to some of you if you have not noticed that I already had a separate standalone episode all about the Ubisoft Forward press conference, if you were expecting that to be my news catch of the week. Uh, definitely check out that episode if you are interested in my thoughts on that event. But there was another event that you may not have known that happened last week in the gaming community, and that event was the Nacon Connect digital live stream. Now, this is the first event of its type that Nacon has done. And who is Nacon, you may ask? Well, Nacon is a French gaming publisher of numerous different titles over the years. Some of the franchises that we will be looking at here shortly that they showcased in this event uh, will maybe, you, you probably recognize them. Uh, so, jumping right into the show, there were not a, a ton, but there were a few solid entries that they showed us. Cinematic trailers, some. Gameplay trailers, others. I'm going to start with some of the, uh, to me, uh, lesser standouts. Games that maybe uh, are not my cup of tea normally, but they are games nonetheless that were highlighted at this event. So starting out with that, uh, we'll go with Rogue Book, which is uh, one of the games they showcased. It was a, it is a single-player roguelike deck-building game that has a procedurally generated world to explore and is coming out in June. Uh, now, screenshots of this look pretty good. Uh, it was pretty solid graphically and just in general. It sounds pretty cool. Um, deck building games are not typically uh, what I spend a whole lot of time playing. Nothing against them. Uh, I just haven't really uh, dove into those kinds of experiences, uh, especially as of recently. Now, if you are wondering what a procedurally generated world means, uh, basically that means that the world is loading and uh, happening around you as you're exploring it. Um, it's not already pre-created and uh, set up for you to explore it. It is actually creating itself in a sense as you're exploring it. So definitely pretty interesting uh, from that kind of a style of game to have a procedurally generated world. Um, the next title that they spoke of uh, that I will reference here is Rogue Lords. Uh, it's coming out in 2021 on current gen. Uh, really all they showed was a story trailer. Uh, it, it was really highlighting and focusing on the uh, concept of revenge. Uh, what it is is another roguelike game that is going to be set in the macabre 17th century place known only as the New World is the only information that I've gotten so far about this game. So if you're into roguelikes, uh, Shovel Knight, um, it comes to mind. Uh, bottom line is uh, this is definitely probably going to be right up your alley. The next game was another game that uh, is, this is the first of probably a well-known franchise that you guys will recognize. If you're into racing games, uh, if you have Xbox Live Gold and you get your free games of gold every month, you've gotten at least one of these, I know, uh, for free at one point. 
So the World Rally Championship uh, Racing Series, WRC. So believe it or not, there is a ninth one coming out uh, that was uh, highlighted at this event. Um, the trailer, it was highlighting a specific track, which was the Safari Rally Kenya track. Uh, I will say, I personally have never played the WRC series of games. I was really, really wanting to play the one that I ended up getting free on Xbox Live, uh, referenced earlier in the show, but um, I never got around to it, to be honest with you guys. But I've always thought they look good. I've always heard solid things about them. They've always gotten pretty decent reviews and, and different... Uh, spaces that I've read and looked into. So the bottom line is, graphically, look great. Uh, Kenya looked like it would be a fun track to, to race on. Um, there is different alternating viewpoints from interior to exterior uh, to the hood cam. Um, definitely a lot of cool looking stuff if you're into rally racing specifically. Uh, it is due to release on September 3rd of this year on current gen, but it was confirmed that it is coming to next gen. Uh, meaning Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5, at a later unspecified date. So, Rally fans, you got a lot to look forward to uh, coming up soon. We got Dirt 5 that was already confirmed for next gen and coming out later this year. And now we have WRC 9 uh, that was at the Nacon Connect. Um, these next couple games, these are also franchises that you've probably heard of. The first is going to be Vampire the Masquerade. Uh, the newest title in its series is called Swan Song, and it was highlighted with a new trailer. That's coming in 2021 for current and next-gen consoles. Now, this uh, cinematic trailer, it showed basically a bunch of different vampires uh, doing different things um, within their different spaces. Very different style of vampires, just their, their character design and whatnot, and the locations they were in within the city of Boston, uh, which is what this game is all about. Uh, it takes place in the city of Boston. There's three different clans of vampires. And based on the, the voice of the narrator, who is kind of basically setting up the premise of this game's story for you, the viewer, uh, basically what you're trying to do is to unite all three clans of vampires throughout the city of Boston. So that sounds like the basic premise and setup for this game. I am definitely... Uh, Definitely interested in checking out this game. It's based on a tabletop RPG series of the same name, and I've always been interested, but I never had an opportunity to try these games out. So I'm definitely interested in seeing what Swan Song is all about. Uh, when it comes out next year in 2021 for current and next-gen consoles. Now, the next game was another game in the same universe as Vampire the Masquerade, also is based on a tabletop RPG series of the same name, and that is Werewolf the Apocalypse Earthblood. Now, in a previous episode of Captain's Quarters, I did talk about, at that point in time, the newest trailer and reveal for Werewolf the Apocalypse Earthblood. Uh, again, this was a gameplay trailer, so they actually showed a lot of different possible gameplay scenarios and mechanics at play. Uh, I can't wait, guys. I am huge, as I said before, into werewolves. Uh, I love them, um, and to actually have a game focused all around werewolves, being a werewolf, werewolf lore, I am all there and all for it. So uh, this game, they basically highlighted a lot of different gameplay scenarios. Uh, one of them, it looks like you can be playing as a, an actual wolf, like just a regular size, uh, you know, hey, you're out in the woods and there's a wolf, um, and it looks like there's going to be stealth gameplay 
that you will be utilizing as that wolf. It kind of showed in the trailer him creeping around and then just kind of stealth killing the nearest enemy that he attacks. So there's that aspect of the gameplay. Uh, the next other highlight of that trailer was in werewolf form. Now, I have a friend of the show, Logan Phoenix, who had said in reference to this game, he was hoping that they would not go the route of, you know, some interpretations of the werewolf they have where you just literally turn into a wolf. And he was hoping they did not do that for this game. Uh, and it doesn't look like that's the case because he, Logan Phoenix, uh, as does me, Hulking Yoda, prefer the more humanoid, bipedal werewolf uh, design. So that was definitely on play here. Uh, on that design, it looks like there's just absolute insane carnage and uh, just visceral combat. Uh, melee combat, obviously, as a werewolf, you're very strong. You have the claws. Uh, you have the range of you know being able to leap and jump and cover great distances very quickly. Uh, and that was on hand here in the trailer. Uh, so it looks very cool as far as combat is concerned there. And then there is a third element of the gameplay where you play as your human form which uh, looks very typical. Uh, the guy of the uh, character design of the guy who's the main character in the game, he looks like your typical uh, militaristic kind of character design. And it showed obviously some, some gunplay and gun combat uh, from his perspective. So looks like there'll be at least three different styles of gameplay on hand here, which is really cool. Uh, hopefully they have a, a nice pace and uh, a nice ebb and flow of those different gameplay styles so that they come across really well uh, throughout the course of the playthrough of the game. So at the end of the day, guys, I'm very excited for this title. Uh, I can't wait to play it. Uh, something new and unique and different. Um, there was no specific dates uh, or consoles. Um, well, there, there was a specific date of the month of February, but not an actual uh, specific date of the month for the release of Werewolf the Apocalypse. It is coming actually to current and next-gen consoles. Uh, so if you are current or next-gen, you can definitely look forward to checking that out. It also has been confirmed that it will have a smart delivery option for Xbox Series X. So if you end up picking it up before you upgrade to a Series X on the Xbox One, no fear, no extra charge. You'll be able to upgrade for free via smart delivery. So the next game is a game that is part of a series that is very near and dear to my heart. Uh, I have not played this series in a very long time. Uh, another friend of the show, Linking Sponge, him and I have very fond memories of the previous uh, game that I played, which was Test Drive Unlimited. Now, Test Drive Unlimited, the last time I played it was on the 360 and absolutely loved it. Me and Linking Sponge had a lot of great times with it. Uh, discussed it greatly over the years of how much we'd love to see a new one. Well, guess what, guys? You are correct. At Nacon Connect, we got a confirmation that was teased for a few days leading up to Nacon Connect of a new test drive unlimited. Uh, it's called Solar Crown. Now, I will say that it was very disappointing in the fact that we only got a 20-second teaser that was a cinematic trailer, and all it was was very zoomed-in close-up shots painting around different cars and uh, an odd zoom in on some cufflinks. Uh, <laughs> so bottom line is we didn't get anything outside of the fact that, hey, it's on its way. But uh, yeah, no dates, no release dates, no consoles that it's coming out on, nothing. Just, uh, hey, here you go. Uh, here's Test Drive Unlimited. Solar Crown. It's coming out. It's, it's, it exists is pretty much what we got out of that. So 
Uh, I'm definitely excited to see what actually they're doing with it. Um, one thing I really liked about Test Drive Unlimited was the, you know, island experience and being able to have different houses across the island and, you know, your different cars you own throughout the garages at your different houses. Very curious to see what kind of gameplay route they go with Solar Crown. Now, the final game that they announced at uh, Nacon Connect was uh, a very interesting one, and one that I was looking forward to its announcement to see what the heck it was. Uh, and that was the game called Steel Rising. And this game is the next game from Greedfall developer Spiders. So Greedfall, uh, I enjoyed what I played, but I only played about seven or eight hours of the game. Uh, I also played Spider's other game, uh, The Technomancer, which came out before Greedfall. I enjoyed what I played of it, uh, but both games, they seemed like they were AAA ideas, but kind of constrained by uh, the limitations of budget. So I don't know what it's going to mean for Steel Rising, but I will say this, the premise of Steel Rising is very interesting. Uh, the, the trailer, let me start out with this description. So the trailer starts up with a close-up of... Basically, these android-looking characters, and there's only one human being uh, who's in the trailer, and he's holding a, this lantern. Uh, looks like it's set back in the way back in the past, uh, and they're on this kind of battlefield. Um, ultimately, looking into uh, some research on the game and find out that the official synopsis, uh, it says that basically you're going to be fighting King Louis XVI's automaton army during the French Revolution. So I don't know about you guys, but that's pretty insane sounding. So uh, I'm very interested to see what exactly this game is and what more details come from the future. Uh, because that's just kind of like, wow, you go from the Technomancer to Greedfall to this. Uh, so it's it's piqued my interest, kind of got me uh, with an eyebrow raised, but uh, cautiously, if that makes sense. So very interesting. Uh, personally, Nacon Connect, I thought it was actually some pretty solid releases that were shown off, and uh, I was, thought it was pretty commendable for them as a smaller publisher and developer uh, studio to actually showcase uh, these games that are coming out. And uh, I'm, ve I'm very excited about uh, quite a few of them, most of them. So definitely, uh, if you guys didn't get a chance to see or hear about those or read about those announcements this past week, because uh, everything was focused on Ubisoft, there you go. Uh, so hopefully it was very insightful for you guys. So now we are going to go over to my captain's log and check out what I've been playing this week. So this past week, guys, continues my ongoing quest and saga to play through to completion The Last of Us Part 2. That is actually the only game that I have been playing and focusing on this past week uh, within my time availability between work and the wife and everything else, you know? Uh, so I've gotten a decent amount of time in, to be honest with you, and I just really want to kind of cover a few standout moments to you guys uh, that really uh, resonated with me this past week um, and my continuing uh, adventures here. So one thing that really stood out to me, the first thing, so there's a sequence in the game, and I'll try my best to avoid uh, any kind of spoilers here, uh, but at this point, I assume most of you listening to the show has probably already played the game, um, if not already beaten it. Uh, but one sequence, let's just say you're scaling this giant skyscraper of a building. And as you're going through, the continued feeling of height and uneasiness uh, that you feel as the character you're playing as, it's done really well uh, in a game, from a gameplay standpoint. Uh, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, scaling this said building. Uh, really cool set piece moment uh, whenever you guys do get to that point in the game. 
another sequence that I came across was there is actually uh, a boss fight at a certain point in the game. And all I'll say is it's with a character named the Rat King. Uh, and I didn't even know when I was playing the game that he it had uh, a name of the Rat King. But I will just say that the boss fight itself was very uh, intense. And I really appreciated it. Uh, just purely from a boss fight uh, standpoint. You know, boss fights sometimes can tend to be really good, really bad. Uh, just kind of, uh, it's kind of, you know, what every game does. But this one, just the way the area you fight in, the way that the progression of the boss fight happened, I thought it was really cool. So keep an eye out for the Rat King if you haven't come to him or it yet. But the most resonating moment of my playtime this past week was the Aquarium. And I feel I've mentioned it before in past Captain's Quarters. Uh, I know I had mentioned before that the museum and how much it resonated with me and I loved it. But I got to tell you, the aquarium is a location that you'll revisit multiple times throughout the course of the game. And it is absolutely my favorite location in the game. Uh, there's just so many different cool things and story beats that come from that location. And even outside the story, I love the visuals of the aquarium. There's so many cool different places to explore within its building and within its walls. And it's just, it's very educational as well. Uh, you know, I find myself, especially this most recent time, uh, you go through a shark exhibit hall and there's everywhere you go in this museum, just like a real museum, there are different descriptions or uh, learning pieces that are spread throughout on the walls, uh, just like we're in the museum about the dinosaurs and space. And I love that aspect of it, that educational piece that, hey, I could actually learn some real history here, some real science. Uh, and then you go to here with the marine biology aspect of it with, you know, what actually different food chains are and why, you know, certain sharks are important in certain areas of the ocean, just different things. I'm not going to go all school on you guys here, but uh, bottom line is I, I thought it was great. And I've just loved the visuals, the educational aspect, the story beats, um, everything about the aquarium, uh, just an absolute phenomenal uh, location and uh, my favorite in The Last of Us Part Two. So now, uh, that's pretty much what I've been up to this past week. Uh, let's check out some gaming tips I have for you guys and my buried treasure. So obviously, guys, all I've played this past week is Last of Us 2. So I have a little tip for you guys. If you have gotten to the point where you are scaling this building that I talked about, but on the interior of it, you're going to come to a location where it's kind of an office building. You get to a point where there's a gym. It's uh, got, you know, weight benches and uh, bikes and all kinds of different things that you would find in a gym. So as you go through, you're exploring, you're looking around. Okay, cool. Well, you enter from the one side of the gym and you exit on the opposite side. Now, you have an option of doors. You can either, if you're facing the wall, you can go left, which will have you go into a storage closet. Or if you go right, you'll have to hold down triangle uh, and get through this door by pushing on it and Ultimately, when you go in on the other side, the door and everything behind you is blocked off. So you're going to want to make sure to do this before you go through that right-handed door. And what that is, is in that storage closet to the left, you'll find a safe. And obviously, safes require codes to open. Now, in my experience, for the most part in The Last of Us Part Two, all the codes to all the safes in the game are usually either scribbled on the wall that are in the same room or right next to or near the uh, safe itself, or there's a note 
that's been left on like the counter across from the safe or in the room across from the safe. Well, bottom line is, guys, there is nothing in that storage room. There's no note. There's no scribble on the wall. Nothing. There's not even numbers anywhere that you can see. So then I was like, all right, well, it's got to be somewhere around here. There can't be a safe with no code. So the bottom line is, after some detailed search of the gymnasium, uh, it was very interesting to me uh, where I found the safe code. So FYI, the safe code, keep an eye out for a poster that is mentioning and referencing the Wi-Fi password. Uh, it's going to be near your entrance to the gymnasium, I'll say that. So just keep an eye out for that poster, and you will have no problem collecting the contents of the safe before you go past the door at a point of no return as you make your progress forward. So that'll be my Buried Treasure Gaming Tip of the week. I hope it was very helpful for you. So now we are going to check out my weekly Gaming Captain's Decree. So this week, guys, I had talked about in my Captain's Log how playing through Last of Us Part Two, there was a couple of locations, the museum as well as the aquarium that were both kind of uh, educational to me and I thought had a lot of great information and uh, you know the museum was really talking about dinosaurs and their history and different types of dinosaurs as well as space and different space exploration and the history of the uh, world and just the different planets just a lot of cool stuff to me aquarium all about sea life etc etc well this week my captain's decree that I want to put out to you guys is games can be educational. Now, obviously, there are a lot of these things that most of us learn in school, uh, and, and I understand that, but for someone like me, it's been a while since I've been in school, and, you know, retention, uh, some people have it better than others, but the bottom line is, whether you've learned it before, seen it before, if it's a refresher or not, think of someone who hasn't learned about these things, and they love video games, and they just happen to be playing The Last of Us, and, uh, you know, have it sought out details or backstory on the history of our space exploration, or uh, what really these dinosaurs were like, or the description of types of dinosaurs, or uh, in the aquarium that could inspire somebody to want to learn more about marine biology and become a marine biologist, who knows? Uh, but I just thought it was great, and I was sitting there, especially most recently this week, playing through the aquarium, and I'm just thinking, like, man, this is awesome. Like, within the context of this game and this dark world and this very heavy story, I'm sitting here learning or relearning things uh, about the world, whether it's space, dinosaurs, or aquatic life. And I just thought it was great, and I thought that things like that uh, should be implemented more so, not all the time. Not, you know, drown us with history or, or, you know, education. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that within the context of a game and the fun of a game and that it brings, you can still have opportunities to learn things. Naughty Dog didn't have to go into that kind of detail uh, with, you know, the different uh, facts about all these different things, but they did. And I really appreciate them for it. And I just, I'm just here to say that it's okay. Games can be educational. That'll do it for this week's episode. I hope you've enjoyed your time aboard the SS Gamer. You can join its crew by reaching out to me via email at lostatseagaming365 at gmail.com, as well as on social media on Instagram at lostatseagaming or on Twitter at lostatseagamin, the number one. 
Again, thank you for listening, and until the sea says otherwise, we'll keep sailing.